Welcome to Sellersburg United Methodist Church Podcast, where we bring our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ for the transformation of the world to you, wherever you are. So we're picking back up in Romans where we left off. And Paul, if you remember, is writing to a church that is experiencing division, uh, division among cultural boundaries, cultural identities, ethnic differences are threatening the church as what some people feel is right is interrupting worship. And what the other group of people, or maybe the other groups of people are struggling to agree upon is, has become the focus of their time together rather than the focus of their time together being worship, being connecting to each other and celebrating the work of Jesus Christ, celebrating the kingdom bursting forth around and our call to be a part of that. Our equip, equipping through the Holy Spirit is for the purpose of being the church, of growing of allowing the kingdom to come in us, through us, around us, to the world. We are here to bless the world, to be a part of God's promise to bless the whole world. A whole world with a lot of differences. A whole world that's full of diversity, different cultures. And it's as if it's on purpose. It's as if we are given the opportunity to overcome our challenge that comes through differences. Differences are wonderful. Diversity is wonderful. It should be celebrated. Any attempt to to make the diversity all come together and be one thing, I don't know if that's what God has in mind because there's such beauty in differences. And Paul is calling the church to stop quarreling over these differences. And so he's gonna begin in chapter 14 with telling them, quit quarreling, quit quit doing what you're doing and get back to what it is you're supposed to be about as the church. And so we're gonna read through chapter 14, verses one through 12, and I invite you to hear Paul's message to the church in Rome. It is written. Welcome the person who is weak in faith, but not in order to argue about differences of opinion. One person believes in eating everything, while the weak person eats only vegetables. Those who eat must not look down on the ones who don't, and the ones who don't eat must not judge the ones who do, because God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servants? They stand or fall before their own Lord, and they will stand because the Lord has the power to make them stand. One person considers some days to be more sacred than other days, while another person considers all days to be the same. Each person must have their own convictions. Someone who thinks that a day is sacred thinks that way for the Lord. 
Those who eat, eat for the Lord, because they thank God. And those who don't eat, don't eat for the Lord. And they thank the Lord too. We don't live for ourselves, and we don't die for ourselves. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we belong to God. This is why Christ died and lived, so that he might be Lord of both the dead and the living. But why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you look down on your brother or sister? We all will stand in front of the judgment seat of God. And because it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow to me and every tongue will give praise to God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. One of my just favorite passages. Favorite passages to turn to again and again and reflect upon. And it's, it addresses a very common issue. And I'm sure it's not unique to our times, although we can certainly understand the relevance to our time and our day as people of this world, as American citizens, as United Methodist Church members. We have a lot of differences of opinion. And that's where I think sometimes we struggle. We like to think that our opinion isn't just a matter of opinion, that what we have to say, what we have to speak for or against is much more than opinion, which is why we feel so strongly about it. And I, I, I understand that. I, I like to think that I'm right about everything too. But the common problem that Paul is addressing is our desire to be God. We want to have the say. We want to know what's right and know what's wrong. And then we want to hold other people accountable to what it is we know to be right and wrong. Now in the church, we have something called doctrine and we have things called dogma. So a doctrine is the foundation of our Christian faith. The doctrine are things like we have a triune God. God is creator of everything. Jesus Christ is our crucified and risen Lord. And the Holy Spirit is a part of God, the Trinity, that's now within us. This is doctrine. If you don't agree with doctrine, then you aren't a Christian because the Christian faith is defined by doctrine. Then there's dogma. Dogma are various opinions about how to best live out a faith of our doctrine. So for instance, in the United Methodist Church, we have baptism as one of our sacraments. We have two sacraments, baptism and communion. The Catholic Church across the block, they have several, several sacraments, two of which are communion and baptism, but they have other sacraments. They have marriage and oh, I can't name them all off the top of my head. I'm, I've never been a Catholic uh, member, but I know that they have several sacraments. Now, if you 
believe that there should be more than two sacraments, well, that would be a matter of whether you're, you're a United Methodist or a Catholic, per se. Or even some dogma of dogma is that how do we baptize? In the United Methodist Church, we accept any form of baptism, really, of sprinkling, pouring, or we do uh, immersion or, or submersion. So passing beneath water completely or pouring water on the head or simply taking a little bit of water and placing it on the head. Any of those are acceptable in the United Methodist Church because we have the dogma, the understanding that baptism is an outward sign of an inward grace. And so the water is not actually what's baptizing you. It's just a symbol for what the Holy Spirit is doing by baptizing you. In the same way that my wedding ring does not, there's nothing magical about the wedding ring. It's not the wedding ring itself that makes me married. It's rather the ring that's the symbol of my marriage. But the marriage is something else. It's something I'm committing to internally. And then I have an outward sign to express that commitment. This is United Methodist understanding. If you don't believe in the three different types of baptism that are accepted, or we do infant baptism as well as adult baptism. Not every church does that. Some churches believe it's just a believer's baptism, which you have to be of a certain age. You have to claim it for yourself. And then some believe that you have to pass underneath the water or it doesn't count. These are issues of dogma. You can be a part of different Christian churches that have different practice of baptism. But if you argue at the foundation of the doctrine, well, then you're talking about the Christian faith as a whole. And I'm sure there are nuanced ways to have conversation of what I've lifted up as doctrine. This is wonderful that we have doctrine and we have dogma, because in the United Methodist Church, our expression of faith, I think, is beautiful and wonderful. And I love the way that we do baptism, the way we understand baptism, the theology behind it. I don't align or agree with how some other churches do baptism. But it doesn't mean that I'm trying to stop them from doing what they're doing, because the important thing is that we're bringing people into the faith of Jesus Christ, bringing them into relationship through the Holy Spirit with God for a life that is lived as a Christian. And so I think it's wonderful that there are multiple churches in the area who do things differently. Because some people will find that the Methodist way speaks to them, it connects with them, it, it makes sense to them and calls them. And some it won't, in which case I, I pray and I celebrate that they find a calling and a connection in another way of different dogma. Now I hope everyone, everyone is a part of the Christian faith by doctrine, that we all proclaim Jesus Christ as the crucified and risen Lord. And I phrase it that way specifically because Paul has spent time in this letter in chapter 10 lifting that up, that what makes us the church is proclaiming that God is the creator and that Jesus Christ is the crucified and risen Lord. And then understanding those basic truths of what the church is all about as Paul is speaking to this church in Rome who are arguing over some dogma stuff. They're, they're so focused on the dogmatic that they're actually not living into what the doctrine means. So he uses this differentiation of strong and weak. Those who understand the doctrine 
what it means for Jesus Christ to be the crucified, crucified and risen Lord and God to be creator of all, that has an impact on every aspect of your life. Now, it takes a while to think that through because just lifting up these basic truths and trying to understand how that impacts us in our world today, going through all that we're going through, as we know that there are protests for Black Lives Matter to lift up this, this wonderful message that we need to hear. That when we have relationships, whether it's family or friends or our neighbors, or if it's relationship from church to church, or maybe just how we go about our daily lives, what we do for a living, how we drive our cars, how we eat our food, how we make decisions and vote, and all of the things that we do. This understanding that God is creator and Jesus Christ is the crucified and risen Lord impacts everything we do. And you may be saying, well, I don't quite understand how that impacts how I drive my car. Well, if we spend time thinking that through, you'll see that it does. And so Paul talks to the church that has really thought through what that means for some particular issues at hand in the church of his day. And so he references, he uses the word strong and weak. Sometimes he uses the words mature or immature, or he even talks about that some, some are ready to receive solid food, and some are still in the, the stage of milk. He uses this image of growing up in faith. It's a great image. It's not to belittle, because a person that is a brand new infant in their faith, weak in their faith, is every bit as much of a Christian and a part of this faith and this world and God's will as the person who has been at this for a long time and who has come to understand quite a bit or what Paul might describe as mature or strong. See, they both align with the doctrine that makes them just the same in the eyes of God as being a part of the church. But how they've worked out that doctrine into every aspect of their lives, well, it's an ongoing process. We grow into it. This is what we celebrate in our United Methodist faith. We celebrate that we receive the Holy Spirit in our baptism. We receive that justifying grace that, like we talked about last week, means that we don't have the ledger anymore. And then we spend the rest of our life with sanctifying grace. And the Holy Spirit works to help us grow into this holiness, to help us work out what it means that Jesus Christ is Lord. What does that mean for every aspect of my life? And it's a great and wonderful journey. What Paul's dealing with in the church in Rome, what we deal with in our church, is that some people have worked out what this means. Jesus says, the crucified and risen Lord, God as creator. They've worked out what it means when it comes to dealing with some basic questions. And the main questions at hand today are eating meat and celebrating sacred days. So to give some context, Paul is dealing with Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians and the, the Christians that come from a Jewish background have been practicing kosher law and they're going to continue to do that. Paul does that. Um, he, he understands that, uh, that there's nothing wrong with eating food outside of that law, but he still feels a close connection to his identity as a Jewish man. And so he will follow the laws, but he doesn't call other people to do that because they're not Jewish. And so Paul has worked out how to 
honor God the way that he knows to honor God coming from a Jewish background into this new understanding of Jesus Christ as crucified and risen Lord. Some people in the Jewish faith are still practicing kosher law. Now there are some Gentile Christians who come from pagan cultures of their day where there was sacrifice to other gods. So they would go to temple on whatever day of the week was, and, and many of them went to the temple or different temples multiple days of the week. They would be, be a part of a sacrifice of an animal. The animal then would be sold in the market or eaten in a feast as a part of that worship experience. And so the question that came from a lot of Gentiles, and we see this throughout Paul's letters, is should they partake of the meat? Now, it's worked out that they shouldn't go to the temple and be a part of the worship service itself. But the real question came is, well, the meat that was sacrificed, they couldn't eat it all, so they would take it to the market and sell it. So if you went to the grocery store of their day, go to the street market, the meat you're buying is probably, most likely, come from some sort of pagan worship animal sacrifice. And they had a question, should we eat that? Are we participating in this other religion? Are we being unfaithful to God? Are we not being true Christians and celebrating Jesus Christ as our crucified and risen Savior when we eat this meat? And so they were working that out. What does that mean? And Paul helps them to understand that, well, God created everything, including that animal. And the gods being worshipped in the temples weren't real. So really what's happening is people are taking a God-given creature and then doing a ritual that really has no meaning, no real meaning. They're not really sacrificing to anything because it doesn't exist. So therefore, it's just meat. And so Paul has worked out and has communicated, and some of the Gentile Christians have accepted, it's just meat. We can participate. We shouldn't go and be a part of the worship service because that's not living faithfully into our identity as Christians. That would be as if we're honoring something else as a Lord rather than Jesus Christ as Lord. Other Gentile Christians are thinking, no, that was a part of my old life. I have, I have walked from my old life and into this new one, and I want nothing to do with any of that. In fact, they think that it's so bad that anyone else eats of that meat because in their minds, it's unfaithful. Therefore, it's unfaithful for anybody. And so there's this dogma of eating. Should we eat meat? Should we not? Paul says, some of you do, and some of you don't. Now, the other is celebrating sacred days. Now, it could just be Jewish sacred days, the festival days, whether the Jewish Christians are still celebrating the festival of booths, uh, whether they're doing Pentecost or Passover, and then you have the Gentile Christians who do not have a connection to those days, and those days aren't necessarily part of how they understand the story of Jesus Christ, and so they are not thinking they need to be celebrating those days and people that feel they should are upset at those that don't or maybe Gentile Christians have been celebrating particular days and they wanna to continue to do that. So the argument at hand is over these dogmas, things that aren't foundational to the Christian faith but yet they speak to people's convictions about how to be faithful to God. And so Paul sees this church going through this this conversation. He sees that some people think you can eat anything you want. You can eat everything. It doesn't matter. And to choose not to eat 
Well, you're just not embracing the right, the freedom that you have given to you in Jesus Christ. And so they look down upon the weak in faith. They look down upon them because they are not yet mature. They don't understand. They're acting in a way that is silly in their minds. But then from these people's perspective, they are being faithful. They are being disciplined. And it's these people that are just acting cavalier. They aren't taking it serious enough. They, these people are following the tradition and they're keeping with the tradition. And these people are acting outside of that tradition, which means that they are not being good Christians. And so they actually condemn, these people condemn these people. They judge them to be in the wrong. They judge them. And so Paul says, look, you don't look down upon your brother or sister. You don't judge your brother or your sister because you both, you all are children of God. And he uses the example of servants or slaves saying that God is our master. It is God who is in charge. It is God's will and way which we follow, which we have committed to, which we have given our lives over to. It is God who has the say-so. It's God who judges. It is God who determines. Any effort for us to do this here is silly. It's a waste. Who are we to judge the servant of another, is what he says. And instead, he reminds them, one day everyone will stand before God and give an account. What is the account for? Is it a ledger? No, it's not a ledger. We will give an account for our convictions. We will give an account for why we did the things we did or why we do the things we do, why we think the things that we think. And so some people may not eat meat and they do so because they feel they are most faithful to God when they're not eating. And God will bless that. God will say, how wonderful that you followed your heart's conviction. Because if you thought eating meat was not good and you ate it, well, then you're doing something you think is not good. And that's, that's not what God wants for us. And then this group, why did you eat anything? Because, Lord, we understand that you created it all. We understand that, that we can, that the Lordship of Jesus Christ means we can. God will say, well done, well done. You've, you've understood. You've understood and you've acted purely with good conscience and intention. In fact, both groups have done this. And so if God is going to make us stand or vindicate both groups, what good is any group judging the other? It's showing their lack of faith in God. And Paul gives the end of the story, which Paul has given time and time again in his letters from Isaiah 45, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will give praise to God. Every single person will come to know that God is creator, that Jesus Christ is the crucified and risen Lord. Do we have faith that God is going to lead everyone? Do we have faith even if the leading looks different? It has differences, differences of dogma, differences uh, that leads to diversity, that leads to completely different practice. Do they believe that God's creator, Jesus Christ, is the crucified and risen Lord? Do we believe then that if they believe this, that they have the Holy Spirit in their lives working with them, then it's just a matter of time, isn't it? 
It's just a matter of time before the people that are weak gain strength. It's just a matter of time. In the meantime, any group that's judging, judging another group, or looking down on another group, they are actually showing weakness, immaturity, a lack of faith. They are trying to play God. And it's disrupting the whole point of them getting together. Paul wants to see them come together and have their meal to celebrate the Lord's Supper when they gather for worship. And when they gather for worship, what is important is their unity. It is the Lordship that they celebrate and that all that they do lift up and give gratitude and thanks to God. And then the way that they come together to support one another, walk with one another, and they would make sure that everyone had what the other one needed to nurture and encourage and build up relationship and love because it's through their faith and their hope that they come to this love and this peace with God. And so if they're coming together and they're supposed to be coming for these wonderful things and instead they're quarreling about who's right and who's wrong, about who needs to look, be looked down upon and judged as weak or who, you get what I'm saying. When they do that, they're disrupting the whole point. They're all participating in the opposite of what the time is supposed to be. And we're still doing this today. And it breaks my heart. And I participated in it too. Because I think that I'm right as much as you think you're right, as much as anyone thinks they are right. We all know who we should be voting for, right? We all know how to really feel about this and that. Who are we as the church? This is the question we need to ask. Who are we as the church, the United Methodist Church in Sellersburg, Indiana? Who are we? Are we just another quarreling group that allows ourselves to be divided by political disagreement, by cultural disagreement? Or do we come together to focus on the foundation of our identity as children of the Creator God who gave us Jesus Christ, the crucified and risen Lord, who gives us the Holy Spirit to become more because outside of this faith, before we were a part of the church, whether we went to church on Sunday morning or not, before it is that we finally started to understand the need to be a part of the church, to say yes, whether it was in baptism or, or then baptism and then confirmation, when we understood that this was where we needed to be as a new family, a new identity, a new life, we became different than who we were before. Or at least we set on the path to become different than who we were before. Because many people in the world today are, are wonderful people. Many people are struggling. But when we become the church, well, I became more than just myself. I became a part of we. I became a part of a family. And this family, we, as children of God, we are more. 
than we were before. And we are called to act accordingly. Not because we're checking off the list of ledgers, but because this way of life, living as more, as a we, is what truly brings us peace. It's what brings salvation. It's what brings love and joy. It's what brings goodness and faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, and patience. It is what brings the fruit of the Spirit into our hearts. It's what brings all of these things, the kingdom of God in us and around us. It's what brings the work of God, the redemption started in Jesus Christ. It's what brings it into the community around us, into the world around us. It brings it to all of creation. That is where this is all headed. And we are called to remember that. So we get together on Sundays to remember who we are and to remember whose we are. To remember that we are more than we were before. The Holy Spirit awakens us, reminds us, calls and beckons us into the new life. The new life in Jesus Christ, which helps us to be able to hold dogmas loosely. If they help you connect with God, if your intention behind practicing them is pure, then you will be vindicated. If my practice is different than yours and we both are practicing with pure hearts and intention to honor and worship God and to build up the church and to not be God, but to be God's, as in apostrophe S, to belong to God, then we will all be vindicated. We will all be vindicated. And when we start to trust in God's vindication and we free ourselves from the need to be right, ooh, that's when some amazing things can start to happen in your heart and in your life and in this world. So my friends, I invite you to hear Paul's message. Let us live into the unity of church to be founded upon God as creator and Jesus as crucified and risen Lord, to be drawn and led by the Holy Spirit and to let that be what we celebrate let that be the means through which we continue to move. And when people are doing things differently, but lifting up those same doctrine, that we can celebrate and smile, even if we don't understand, even if we don't agree, that we can celebrate that God will vindicate them too. What a good and amazing God we serve. My friends, go in the peace of that God through Jesus Christ and in the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We thank you for joining us today. And it is our hope that you have experienced the blessing of God through our time together. If you'd like to know more about our church community and its ministries, visit our website at sellersburgumc.com.